one morning I went to a different clinic. And so I wasn't as familiar with the staff. But I, one of the providers, I mean, I didn't even start looking at the patient's chart. They were The first patient was assigned to me. And she walks by almost like a running train without even stopping. And she says, good luck with that one. And then goes to her desk. And I'm thinking, oh, no, you're not going to get away with that. You need to, we need to talk about this. <laughs> so I asked her, I said, okay, what, what do you mean? And she said, oh, that patient, she saw me a week ago and she made everybody just totally frustrated. She was yelling, screaming. She was here for hours, you know, and then the assistant or the medical assistant who was working with me came up to me and she says, yeah, she was kind of difficult, you know, kind of in a mousy kind of way, very sweet. But then I, I asked the provider, I said, what was so tough about her? demanding, wanting all this and that, demanding fluids, has all these problems. Oh, and she has borderline personality disorder. (laughs) Right. By the way, folks, if you don't know what borderline personality disorder is, it is a a label in psychiatry that's given to people who, A, either do have issues with, you know, with dealing with situations and create crises, and it's more complex than that. But there are tendencies for women to get this diagnosis more than men. So there can be bias. But most importantly, if someone has that diagnosis on their list, my experience has been that they are discriminated against from the get-go. So she's not a patient with these problems. She's a borderline personality with these problems. And that's, I have Mm -hmm. issue with that. Mm -hmm. So I walk in the room, I read everything. So when I do see that, though, the first thing I think of is trauma. Mm-hmm. And I, I read everything about her because the first thing I don't want to do is miss something that she has tried to tell people over and over again. Mm-hmm. So I walk in and, oh man, body language. <laughs> she has mm-hmm. arms crossed. She is expecting me to fail her. I can already see it on her face. Mm-hmm. You know, She's got the wrinkled brow. She's not saying a word, but she is staring at me, like right through me. And I walk up to her, and and I listen. And the first thing you do when you walk up to a patient who's had trauma, not just in their life, but also in healthcare, mm-hmm. is you just make space for them. Mm-hmm. So I wait for her to finish, and and then I tell her, and she says, "And I have, I have, you know, people won't listen to me." And I said, "I said, let me tell you how I approach patients." I read everything, and then when I walk through that door, and I point behind me, when I walk through that door, everything clears. There's a whole clean slate, and we start over again. Mm. Yeah, that's beautiful. I can see that that would be really calming because it's you're going to sort of immediately put someone on notice that this is different than what they've experienced before. And, and that's the thing when someone comes in with a mental health issue or trauma and so many people have experienced trauma in their lives. That's one of the reasons why trauma informed care is so very, very important. But could you just, let's backtrack. Could you tell us a little bit more about that? What, what is trauma informed care? So trauma informed care is recognizing that anyone and many people do, anyone could be coming in for health care who have experienced trauma in their life, whether it's childhood trauma or trauma as, you know, a young person or an adult. And the effects of, especially of childhood trauma, particularly when there's been a number of different things that are traumatizing to children, such as uh, sexual assault or abuse, a parent who's incarcerated, parents who are divorced, 
drug or alcohol use, uh, a parent with, with substance use disorder, those kinds of things. The more of those experiences children have, the more likely it is as a population that they could be susceptible to a whole host of psychological and physical ailments, such as depression, suicidal ideation, cancer, diabetes, heart disease. Because of the way when they're constantly in a state of fight or flight, when they're when they're children, when that's the response to the trauma, it it changes the physiological and neurological makeup of the person. And that doesn't mean everybody who's experienced trauma is gonna, you know, is looking at some dire consequences. But it's it's a tendency and and so you've you've got the idea behind trauma for care is that you try and create in the environment of care, in the policies, in the training of doctors, nurses, and every staff member that comes into contact with patients, that we're we're not looking at people who come and sort of act out from their trauma in a way that's you know, a typical thing is to get our backs against the wall. Our, if we have trauma, we might get triggered. And to be looking at that person like, what the hell is wrong with you? Trauma-informed care teaches us to, instead of ask what's wrong with someone, ask what happened to someone. And that question in itself changes the way we think about them. But even, it, and, and that's, that's so valuable. I actually wish all physicians had that training. They should. Every they physician should. should have this training. Either that or psychiatry, like I did. I, I did some psychiatric training. And there and but it's even more so we, we learn so much to distance our emotions. And what I'll be going over in other episodes is just the elegance of Chinese medicine and description of Chinese psychology. Because it's much more than the brain. It's not just biochemical and what you're describing with trauma informed care will describe mind body connections and patterns. And that's what happens. So we can't look at psychology alone. We cannot look at people with just the personality or even just the trauma experience. 